to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. everyone welcome back to another episode of disorderly dogs the podcast uh this is a case study edition and one of my lovely reactive redefined students is with me today and we're going to talk all about her and her dog and her experience inside of reactive redefined if you are new to the podcast or you are new to the a good feeling dog training circle just to recap reactive redefined is an online coaching program for reactive dog owners and we give you the practical skills and emotional support to go out and just kind of kick ass in the world with your reactive dog so without further ado um do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself um for the listeners and then we can talk about your sweet boy of course so my name is madison um i am a graduate student who's almost done with graduate school (laughs) i live in michigan um so i'm originally from north carolina i've been living in michigan for the past four years uh and that's where i adopted my dog franklin was was from a shelter in michigan so I'll always have a special place in my heart for (laughs) Michigan, even after I leave. So I'm getting ready to move back to North Carolina uh, in just a couple of weeks or months coming up soon here. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and okay. So just as a random side note, um, you were having trouble at first finding housing, right? Because of, of Franklin. So tell everybody um, his breed. Yeah. So Franklin is a hundred percent American pit bull terrier. Uh, which, so when I adopted him, I knew he was at least part pit bull. I mean, it's pretty obvious if you see a picture of him that he's got some pit bull uh, in him based on his, you know, sweet, adorable, blocky head. Um, but I thought he was like sort of half lab or I didn't really know. And then over the summer, decided to get him um, DNA tested and it came back 100% American pit bull terrier. So as I was just recently looking for housing uh, back in North Carolina, I ran into many, many problems finding um, a place to live because of so many uh, breed specific restrictions at these different apartment complexes. So, um, you know, even the ones that sort of had like a, a vague wording of like, you know, we love our furry friends. And so I'd give a call and say, are you pet friendly and kind of go down the list and say, well, do you have any size restrictions? I started warming them up to like, it's something like, no, we have breed restrictions. And of course, being, you know, an American pit bull terrier, if there's 30 dogs on the list of banned breeds, he's one of them. If there's two breeds on the list, he's one of them. You know, So it was kind of tricky. And uh, I was like, well, how do you, you know, you need me to submit proof or, you know, how do you sort of tell? And they were like, you submit a picture and then we'll decide if he looks like one or not. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So super official, right? Super Expert, official, right, right. For making sure that we the dog. <laughs> so thankfully I was able to find, um, find a place that will allow, you know, allow him no matter what. So you know, he, there's no list of breeds, which is good. They thought they said all dogs are part of the family. So oh we're God, thankful for, for that. What made you decide you were ready to get a dog? Yeah. So that's sort of, I guess we'll kind of like rewind to, you know, how I grew up. I think my, uh, we always had dogs. Um, well, we didn't always have dogs. My, my extended family, I had an aunt and uncle that had four dogs when I was very young. When we go to their house, I was like, this is amazing. They have four dogs and like we play in the backyard and they had this uh, actually like book on their bookshelf of all these dog breeds. So when I was little, I would flip through the book and I would like try to campaign my parents of like, look, we need this dog because it has these different, you know, I was like really, really into it. And when I was 10, I think was when we got our first dog and had him until I was in uh, college when I, he passed away. And then my parents got a puppy who's now um, four, I guess, four years old. And so we grew up with dogs. I dog sat, my friends, you know, growing up had dogs. And I was so excited for the day when I'd have like my own dog, you know, and have moved to my own place and have my own, you know, my dog. And so when I first moved to Michigan after college for graduate school, I lived alone. And so I was like, Ooh, you know, this could be, I could have, I guess I'm old, you know, I'm old enough now, I guess I can have my own dog. And um, so I would kind of peruse Pet Finder and, you know, dream about the day I'd have my own dog. And then, you know, the beginning of graduate school was pretty busy. I was working like lots and lots of hours and the weekends and at night and all kinds of stuff. And so I just always was like, you can't have a dog. You know, it's not the time for you to have a dog, right? You can't give it what it needs now. So I sort of tabled that. And then fast forward to last March. So it's almost been a whole year since I've had Franklin. I got him in April. Um, 
I again picked up my pet finder habit because I was like, I don't know, this feels like maybe <laughs> the time to get a dog. And I was talking to my family one night and I said, I started looking at pet finder again. And, you know, they said, uh, I said, but I know I don't have time. And my sister said, wait a minute, what do you mean you don't have time? At this time, we thought it was going to be like a month of lockdown or something. So she's like, you're going to have like a month, you know, you have a whole month to help them settle in. And, you know, in the last kind of part of graduate school, it's a little bit more flexible. You're doing more like writing, you're taking less classes, things like that. So I was like, oh yeah, this could be the perfect time. So I really kind of doubled down on this like search for a dog on pet finder and fell, fell in love a little bit with this. Like, you know, when you're looking at these pictures and you're like, I think this is the, maybe the one, that little paragraph they give you, and you're like, I think this is, I think this could be my dog. Um, but it, it turned out when I called about him, there were some things they had left out of the bio. Like he's not good with dogs. He can't go up and down stairs. He needs a fence and back kind of all these things that I was like, Oh, never mind. You know, that's, that's not the dog that's going to fit my lifestyle. And then, um, I kind of got discouraged and was like, well, maybe it's not the right time. Maybe this is a sign, but that didn't last too long. I think it was that night or the next night, right. I was kind of late at night on pet finder found, uh, this sweet, adorable, you know, black dog with these, you know, cute little eyes and everything. And, um, decided to apply for him. But at that time, everything was like really shutting down. So I thought like, I'll probably have at least a few weeks before things will open up again. And then maybe they'll look at the applications and I can kind of make a decision then, uh, and the next morning, so this was at like midnight, the next morning they emailed me, I've been approved to adopt this dog. And I was like, whoa, 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 this happened so fast. Um, his, you know, his bio is he was very sweet. You know, he could pull on the leash when he got excited, but he was good with other dogs and this and that. So uh, I was like, this is all happening so fast. You know, so the next morning I called the foster mom. So I guess like to give a little context of that particular time, the shelters were overcrowded I think at the shelter Franklin was at there was like 120 dogs or something at this shelter and when the when the state shut down um the staff had to be cut at the the show they couldn't all be working right they couldn't have full staff so they were kind of frantically looking for places for these dogs to go so they didn't have to have like 120 dogs and like one person you know working at the shelter um so they kind of called all hands on deck and the foster family he ended up with um is this amazing, super amazing family. And like anyone who fosters is just amazing. And I think it's such a special and awesome thing that people do. Um, but they were, they had three or four dogs of their own, a big fenced in backyard and they had fostered so many dogs. So they're very experienced. And I, when I called her, you know, she was like, you know, I remember him from like, maybe I had walked him once or twice, but he's kind of quiet. And I didn't really, you know, know that much about him, but she's like, he's been here for about a week and he was at the shelter for maybe three weeks or a month or something. And she's like, he's good with our dogs. He's, you know, he's really scared of people. So she did tell, you know, she had some good um, intel kind of on him, how he was in a home environment, which is helpful, not just at the shelter. Um, but she's like, you know, if you want, we can bring him, we'll do the meet and greet. And then I think it's just like, then you just take him because of everything's closed. And I was like, okay, whoa, whoa, I don't even have like bowls. You know, it's like, I need to go to the store. Like, so, so a week later, she ended up bringing him. And throughout that week, she was sending me pictures of him and videos and kind of giving me more like inside of she's like he's really warming up to you know my daughter or you know whatever he was doing and so by the time he came knowing what I know about him now this meeting is like so unusual for him to be as calm as he was but he kind of got out of the car and came right up to me and I sort of pet him and like I mean really knowing how he is now he I don't know I've ever seen him do that to anybody else since I've had him so it's kind of like a cool you know fate sort of moment which I feel like a lot of people's stories are kind of like that but we took him for a walk right away on this you know trail by my house and I took him upstairs and was like I guess you're home now buddy you know like it's all kind of happened so fast but um but now it's almost been a whole year and you know I wouldn't change anything about you know it was it was pretty special and we've since gone back and visited the foster family actually to um see them again and he was excited to see his you know family and it was neat because they were like oh look how good he looks he looks so healthy and you know wow he's like the daughter was like you've done a good job with him he used to be scared of everything and I was like well he's still scared of a lot of things but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that you can see some progress so it was it was special to to be able to bring him back and you know, well, and like, up. you know, it takes a village. Like it really does. And like, it, it's so fun just to be able to like, 
share like the same mission, right? Making sure this dog has an amazing life and like the foster still being able to like celebrate and see him thrive. That's so cool. Yeah. And, you know, it's like those, it is, it's those moments of fate where the dog just like chooses us and we're like, okay, cool. I guess this, this is it, right? Like it's yeah. going to go like this right now. Exactly. So, um, and I love that the foster was honest with you, right? About like the realities of like, these are his strong suits. This is the other stuff that's going on because mm -hmm. it just, it serves everyone so much better. If you just kind of know, like for reals, what you're in for before you exactly. uh, live with the dog full time. Exactly. Yeah. And as we kind of like, I guess the next part we'll be talking about when I found out he was reactive or how, what that looked like. And I think, you know, I think when I, when I first had talked to her, when I first got him, she had told me he was quote unquote, just about as dog friendly as they come. And I was like, this is amazing news. I love that. That's, you know, I'm so excited about that. But now kind of knowing what I know about where they live, because I've been to their house now, they have a really big fenced in backyard. And I don't know that he was going on a lot of walks on the leash, like in like a neighborhood kind of setting with a lot of other dogs that were also on the leash. Um, and so I didn't have any sort of like expectation that that was going to be a, a problem. And, you know, if the, if the question is like, when did you first notice it? The answer is like the first day that I had him. Oh I didn't God. take any time Crash to figure it out. Yeah. So I think that the, the answer to the question of when, when did you first find out that he was reactive or figured it out was day one. But the, the answer to when did I first realize it was like a problem that was going to need a lot of attention. It was several weeks in, I think. And I think the reason for that was because, you know, when you adopt a dog, they tell you wait, like eight or 12 weeks or some like kind of long amount of time for the decompression and like they're just getting used to their new environment and they have all these new surroundings and so I was very prepared for him to have all kinds of like really you know like I was like I don't know maybe he has I have no idea what he's gonna be like he could chew up my shoes he could you know he could do anything and I was sort of just really like in it to win it of like I'm gonna be here for whatever this dog presents me with because obviously you know he's a rescue dog and that comes with all kinds of possibilities of things you're going to have to kind of work through. And I think, you know, he was a, a, a stray at the shelter. Someone brought him in as a stray, um, which could mean he was truly a stray. And it's the people at the shelter kind of told me it could also mean that maybe he was an owner surrender, but they have a fee they have to pay. So sometimes they say they found a dog and, you know, so they were like, it could really be any number of, of things. And, um, you know, I think that drove me really crazy in the beginning of like, I just wish I knew like what he had gone through. And I, I think if, I think for a while, I thought if I knew that I could, <clears throat> I could help him. If I knew that he was, you know, attacked by a dog once, or if I knew that he, you know, X, Y, Z. Uh, but after a while, I realized that wasn't super, you know, productive or helpful. It's like, you know, I'll never know. It's so human of us though, right? right like it's right. so human of us to like want to know. And like, you know, I think that there's been this sensationalizing of like rescue dogs and their stories. And like, not that that's all bad, but I really encourage people like, let's focus on who the dog is right now in this very moment, because that's, that's the information we have. That's the dog in front of us. We can, we can use that to inform training decisions. And I think that it's just more productive, right. Than like creating this story that doesn't really get us any closer to a desired outcome. Right. right. Exactly. So exactly. how old did they think Franklin was when you adopted him? They said he was two or three. So now the vet, I saw the vet the other day for his checkup and she's like, let's call him three. Like, no, now let's say he's three. <laughs> so right. I guess based on kind of what they can tell from his teeth or whatever they use to kind of make that decision, they think he's two or three. So, you know, he had had, he wasn't, certainly wasn't a puppy. I knew when I adopted, I didn't have any like stipulations other than I just wanted an adult dog. I, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't equipped. I live on the top floor of an apartment. And I was like, I don't want to be potty training a puppy, you know, up and down the <laughs> stairs, right? I'm not ready for that. And then of course, you know, a more senior dog with more advanced like medical needs. I wasn't quite ready to take that on yet either. So I, you know, and, and I think with an adult dog, there's a lot of pros of like, he was already house trained. He already, you know, the, when the foster family dropped him off, the daughter was like, he already knows how to sit. And I was like, oh, it's great. <laughs> so he knew, he knew some things like, you know, but I think it also comes with, and now that I've, you know, done some, a lot of, a lot of, we'll, we'll say like having a reactive dog, really, you really do your research on kind of training and dog behavior and all kinds of things. And it's like that window that they always talk about the socialization window, you know, I missed that. I wasn't there for that. And I have no idea what happened or didn't happen in that window. And so, 
you know, all I can do is focus on what I can do for him now and providing the, the most positive experience. But, but yeah, so I think in the beginning, to circle back to the reactivity, I was like, I think maybe he wants to say hi to these dogs, or I think maybe he's just, he's just adjusting to this new, you know, the, the trail by my apartment is really nice. It's paved and it's like miles and miles of these trails. And so I thought like, look at us walking on the miles and miles on the trail, you know, this is so fun. Just me and my dog. And, and he, I mean, don't get me wrong. He loved these walks, but it was just every time we'd see a dog, I was like, why does he keep barking and lunging? And like, this was not like a hello bark. This was like a, this was a different, you know, kind of barking. And thankfully I had him on a harness. So I had a little more like, you know, I didn't get like, he wasn't you know, yanking on a collar on his neck or anything like that, but but, uh, but I was like, whoa, this is a strong dog. And this is a reaction that seems a little over the top for like most dogs that were walking by. And so I used to walk with a friend of mine that we worked together and by trade, we're researchers. That's what we do for our job. And so what we started to do sort of unintentionally was just to gather information of like, okay, is it every dog? How far away do we have to be? Is it certain breeds? Is it, is it boy dogs? Is it girl dogs? Like kind of what is the what are the conditions under which this is happening and not happening? Because in the beginning, you know, I was like, I think I just assumed the more dogs we pass, he would just see that they don't do anything to him. And then he'd get better. And it just wasn't getting better. And in some cases I felt like it was getting worse. And so I was like, okay, so I turned to, you know, I think probably a lot of people will relate to the, like, I didn't even know it was called reactivity. And this is like, you know, we had dogs. I knew it wasn't like had never even owned a dog. Like I experienced with dogs, but certainly not like, it's a different kind of, I think, experience or, you know, knowledge that you need to sort of handle these kinds of things. And so I think I just Googled, like, why does my dog keep barking and lunging at every dog? He see, you know, I didn't even Google like reactivity. I didn't know it had a word. <laughs> I was like, what, why does he keep doing this? And I think I found like, one of the first things I remember reading was a wiki how it was like wiki how to get your dog to not bark. And I was like, what is that? Like, you know, I think it's some of the resources are harder to tell if they're like helpful or not. But I think when you're right, in like that position, like, like, you're, you're willing to sort of read or try kind of anything. Cause you're like, I really want to help, you know, he's clearly like having a hard time. And I think I'll, I'll read anything at this point. I'll read a wiki, how I'll read, you know, I'll watch videos. And so we started to do some kind of stuff that was like, I didn't start any sort of formal training quote unquote program with him until several months in, but started to bring like I did glean the information of like you need to bring high value treats so for like most of the summer I had this bag of hot dogs in my pocket like these pieces of hot dog and would try to like get some distance do some stuff but you know it there came a point when I was like I think I'm in over my head and I you know I know that I have a lot of skills and abilities and these things but you know, this isn't one of my skills and I don't, I'm not familiar with this. Some people dedicate their entire life to, you know, it's their whole profession. And I was like, why don't I have one of them help me? Because this is really overwhelming and I'm having a hard time, like, you know, sifting through this different information. And so the, one of the first things I did was as far as like to take the step of training was uh, reach out to a trainer in the area who had a reactive dog, quote unquote, like program I think I knew sort of from the beginning this wasn't a matter of like um he needs to learn how to like sit and stay like I was like this is not an obedience class you know kind of thing this feels a little bit bigger than than that so I reached out to the trainer and you know she kind of had like a waiting list and sort of was just telling me that you know well it's just that working with reactive dogs is really um exhausting and I was like right living with them also is really exhausting and I would you know looking for some help but if you're too busy I you know I understand so that was kind of the first foray and then I really doubled down and was like you know okay well I think I want to find maybe a veterinary behaviorist because I think this this is as a result of some you know emotions that need some underlying help versus just you know I knew it wasn't just like a yeah, I knew he wasn't being bad or he wasn't being, you know, stubborn or difficult or whatever. So I had a couple of uh, virtual consultations with a behaviorist in Michigan. She was a mate so good. Her name is Dr. Camille Ward. If anyone listening and lives in Michigan, she's wonderful. And she gave me more handouts than any human being could ever want or desire about reactivity. She had me send some videos ahead of time and to take a look at his body language. And she kind of taught me some basic things about like, what to look for. And we determined that, you know, it was pretty likely that his underlying emotion for his reactivity was, was fear or uncertainty. Um, even though he's, you know, good with dogs off the leash and he plays well with them. she thought it was probably a combination of, you know, 
feeling restricted on the leash and feeling unsure of them kind of coming into his space and different things like that. So that was helpful. She gave me a lot of good techniques, but um, I shouldn't say, but, and, you know, I think as we sort of worked through these, these exercises and these training things, what I felt like I was missing was like a sense of community or like, a you know, like what you would get from a traditional group training class, but obviously, you know, no can do group training class because that wouldn't really go well for anybody, you know, involved in that. And so I think I was sort of like hungry for, you know, other people who knew what it was like to have a dog like mine and other, you know, almost like I wanted a coach for myself to be like motivating of like, you can, you can do it, come on. But also like, if I did something that was supposed to work from the handouts or the videos I was watching or whatever, and it didn't work, like, why didn't it work? You know, (laughs) like I said, like, I'm not a dog trainer, you know, I like, and so I think that was kind of what, what led me to, to enroll in this particular class, which has just like been beyond my wildest expectations of how it would be. Um, and I, I will tell you, I, I should say on the podcast, it's so fun and awesome to be here and talking to you because this is, I found, I, I found this podcast on a day that was a rough day. We had had a lot of reactions. He was pulling on the leash. He was barking. And I was like, I don't know if I can do it. You know, this is so hard. Like I, this, you know, this is brutal. And I remember looking up a couple of days earlier, I had maybe tried to look up and I listened to a lot of podcasts. I was like, let me see if there's one about reactivity. And I found one and I don't even remember which one it was. So I won't like say, but it just wasn't speaking my language. It just wasn't very, it was, the person that was talking wasn't really like, wasn't what I needed to hear. I was like, I think this is a different situation. It sounds like you've got maybe a different, you know, type of dog or a different type of reactivity. And then it suggested, you know, it says like, you may also like these podcasts. So I was like, Ooh, disorderly dog sounds like the name of a podcast that I would really like. So I kind of scrolled through and found like the, you know, you know, when you do that, when you first find a podcast, you're like, let me find the ones that I like really yeah. want to check out. And I maybe I don't know if the first one was the leash pulling or the first one was the reactivity, but I was like, I'm going to give this a couple minutes and see if this, if this is like three easy steps and your dog will be cured in a day. I'm not interested because like, that's clearly not what's happening. <laughs> and, uh, and, and whatever episode it was, you know, you were saying something about one of the most important things a reactive dog owner can have is a sense of humor. And I was like, Oh, I like this trainer. This is exactly what I need. And you're talking about leash pulling. And you said your own dog pulled on the leash. And I was like, well, I love, like, that's so freeing to hear that from a professional dog trainer that, you know, that makes me so much more likely to want to get your feedback and your advice on stuff than if you were like I have a perfect dog and I trained my perfect dog to be perfect from the moment I had them and you know and then on top of that the the focus on pit bulls too obviously was a was a huge you know draw of me to listen to the podcast and then as you sort of got into these case studies with other people who had gone through reactive redefine there was a moment several moments I've like laughed out loud listening because the things people say, I'm like, that has happened to me so many times. <laughs> people are like, you know, these are people I've never met and I'll, you know, probably never meet them in person, but, but their stories have made a big impact on me. Even if it's just like, wow, that also happened to me and my dog lost his shit and, you know, it was really embarrassing and whatever. So I think that's kind of the, the reason why I wanted to enroll in the first place and I was like, we'll we'll check this out and see if it's helpful. And it's been so, so good. So, so I want to, I wanted to circle back to, you know, those feelings, right? Like those feelings of overwhelm and desperation and like, how am I going to sustainably manage this dog for an entire lifetime? Right. And I think that, you know, the advice of give a dog three days to acclimate three weeks to get used to the environment and three months to like truly decompress is good advice. But the challenge in that is that with an adult dog, those behaviors are pretty there, right? Like it's not like there's going to be like a huge room for air. So it's like, you're doing your best to give the dog three months to adapt, but like, you also have to get him out. You also have to, (laughs) Right. right. So it's like, how do we do this? Like, how do I give him the three months that everyone tells me I need to, to give him, but also like, you know, live a normal life and like walk a dog successfully. I, I love that you already had support, right? Like, it's not like the information I gave you was brand new, but I think that what we do in reactive redefine that is unique is that we tell you specifically how to do it in the moment with your individual dog 
right? Like it's not this like blank statement of just try this, right? Like we make sure you understand the principles, but then we tell you exactly how to do it in your life, in your setting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And for your specific, I mean, there's dogs like in our group that are just, they're very different breeds, very different, like characteristics, very different things that they're reactive to. And I think the cool thing is that you and Stephanie, like as trainers in the videos and the content is applicable to everybody, no matter what the problem is, but then the individualized part of it with like the one-on-one calls and the feedback on the videos that we upload is so helpful because it allows it to be this like dynamic process where it's like, you know, okay, you know, when I, I know when I first started, I think I should say it would be beneficial to anybody. So if you have zero knowledge, it would be really helpful. But also if you even have met with other behaviorists or trainers, like, you know, it's, you'll still get a ton out of it because there are things now what I think I'm able to do is to be a little bit more dynamic as opposed to more like static in my responses where it's like, you know, if you have one technique that you've learned, it's not always going to work. Like, you know, if you learn, like, you know, if you, I'm trying to think of what it's like an open bar, closed bar, like games, we kind of started doing that in the beginning with Franklin as an example. And that worked sometimes, but it didn't work all the time because it required us to stay stationary for a lot of it of like, let's watch this dog walk by. And that's like very hard for him to have dogs go by us or come towards us. Right. So that was something we tried, but it didn't work. And I got discouraged in the beginning because I was like, I have read that this is supposed to work. And like, why is it not working? And so then, working in real life? <laughs> my fingers like, me. All I do is yeah. just dogs. <laughs> I know. And <laughs> like, so then, you know, you learn more techniques of like, you learn, okay, you could do, look at that, or you could do engage, disengage, or you could do uh, whatever the, you know, they all have the mark and move, or you can toss stuff, or you can throw stuff in the grass, or you can run, you know, there's all these things that you can do. And I think it's helpful to know, like, for my specific dog in these specific situations, I'm going to use this technique, but someone else might use a different technique. And I think that's the cool part. I'm getting more confident about, you know, knowing kind of what to do these different situations and like being aware of more small steps. Cause I think like in the beginning, I just was thinking like the goal is no reactions. Like that's the goal. And that's, that's a far off goal, right? That's like, maybe uh, who knows if it'll ever happen. You know, it's like, hopefully it will be, you know, a couple of years from now, if I were to come back and hopefully I'd be like happy to report, you know, no more reactions, but well, who knows? And I think in the short term, like it's so helpful too, to have you remind my, me and us of like, you know, just the other day when we spoke, it was like, he's still having some reactions. It's like, but his, the duration is shorter. The intensity is less. He's shaking off and, you know, regulating himself way quicker, way better. So those are important, like signposts, I guess, along the way of like, keep doing what you're doing. It's gonna, you know, really pay off. And I think some of the, you know, when we started, it was pretty much like any dog within a certain distance was like, we were going to react to it eventually. And now it's like, they're, that distance has gotten sh- closer. And I think there's some distances that are like, they, they're a toss up and where we used to like maybe lose all of them, we win half of them now. So that's like really been encouraging to see the progress there, but. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's hard, right? Because like, we wanna believe that we're doing the right thing and we're working towards the ultimate goal of like less reactions and more enjoyable walks for everybody. But I think sometimes we just need the validation that like you had a setback. That doesn't mean you need to abandon everything, right? Like you still have to trust the process. You still got to put in the work. And I think that's something that's again, unique about the program is that like, we're there for each other and like, oh my God, right. Feeling like it's never going to get better. (laughs) But then we really look, right. We look and we dissect those videos. And I think that, it helps to open up like our focus, right. And focusing on like, damn, it really is getting better. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's not easy to be attached to like <laughs> a blocky, strong black dog <laughs> lunging across you at dog, right. Like, exactly. that but knowing that it's going to get better, you're working better. And like, you know, seeing the videos is immensely gratifying for me because like, I can see the progress. It's easy for me. Right. Because right. I, every week I see the updates I'm like damn look at this dog checking in with you, you know? <laughs> and you know I just want to I I've my intention has always been to cheerlead people and I think I do a really good job of that do, and yeah realize even like when you're feeling maybe a little overwhelmed like 
you know, my little emojis and like five hearts on your videos, like, hell yeah, that recovery was so quick, right? Yeah. Like those reminders that we need that we're on the right track, things are going to get better. Yeah. And you need that. I mean, I think that's an, like the hard skills are so important, but that part is maybe just as important, if not even sometimes I think more, but once you get the skills down, it's like, okay, like I know how to, when he looks at a thing, give him a treat. Like I, you know, I can do that part, but I think the, the harder part is yeah. Like keeping the morale and keeping the, or, or noticing, I mean, you need, you need a trained eye at some point. Cause I'm like, I, again, like constantly, I'm like, I'm not a dog trainer. I don't know. You know, like I, you know, I'm doing the best I can, but sometimes you just need some, an expert to come in and say, yeah, like notice here, look at his body language or look at the distance or look at, you know, whatever these different, these different things. But yeah, and it's also been really helpful, I think, to learn more. So once I knew that I had an American Pitbull Terrier, like hundred percent, I was like, okay, this now, you know, cause it's, it's so challenging to own a reactive dog. And I think it adds just another, you know, I think it's fair to say it adds another layer if it's a reactive blocky headed dog. And I think that I, I felt a great deal of responsibility of like, now that I own this dog, who's the subject of so much stigma, I owe it to him to educate myself as much as I possibly can about the breed. And, you know, so I, I, you know, read the Pitbull, the Bronwyn Dickey book. I read the book about the Michael Vick uh, dogs, watched that documentary. That's so funny. We, I was home for the summer um, for a couple of weeks and we were watching the movie with my family and we didn't know what Franklin's, we were kind of taking bets. You know, everyone was like, I bet he's going to be 50% lab, 50, whatever. And my dad kind of kept looking at the screen and looking back and looking at the screen and looking at Franklin. And he said, I think he's going to be a hundred percent. And I was like, no, there's no way. And then, you know, fast forward, we get the <laughs> results. And I was like, you were right. And he's like, I knew it. I knew it. He looked just like those dogs. And, you know, his mannerisms were similar. And, but I think that's been helpful too, to know that some of it is like, he's hardwired to behave in certain ways and to do certain things. And that just, it's kind of freeing of like, okay, I just need to figure out how to set him up for success based on his, his wiring. And, and really a lot of it is just, I think, giving yourself permission in so many ways. Like when I first spoke to the behaviorist, I remember her being like, he's never going to be a dog park dog. And that's fine. Like he doesn't have to be a, she's like, some people don't like parties, you know, like some dogs don't like the dog park. It's fine. It's like, you know, and I was like, oh, I don't know that he'll ever be, you know, the kind of dog who like has all these friends. And he's like, you know, yeah, going to the park or he's, you know, he's off the leash and all these things. And she's like, he doesn't have to be, you know, he can have such a good and fulfilling life without all these, like who even decides what like a good, you know, perfect dog or a good life or whatever for a dog is. And really because of his reactivity, actually, I think that I have become a better trainer, a better owner, a better, all these things, more educated than I ever would have been. If I had a dog who could just walk by dog, you know, I wouldn't have learned any of these things. And he now has, you know, we go on decompression walks and I give him enrichment, you know, feeding, and he loves to like tear up boxes and, you know, and all these different things. And I think it actually has also made me, I think at risk of sounding like kind of corny, like a better person, a more patient person, a more understanding person of like Nothing other corny about that. Everyone listening dogs. Like a hundred percent. And I think, you know, he has like reactivity is just one thing about him. You know, he has all these other things about him. And I think almost because of the reactivity, he, his, his life in so many other ways has been really kind of like enhanced. And I think just giving myself permission to be like, you might own a dog, Madison, that has to go to the park, like a big open space park forever. And he may never be able to walk on a crowded trail on a weekend. And I think like that's, I don't know, it might sound silly, but it's like, I don't know why that was a big hang up for me. But once I was like, oh my gosh, I just have a dog that I have to take to the park. That's just a dog I have. And, you know, part of that has been so like actually fun. I've started to frame it as like all these adventures we go on of like, what random park will we go find today to go walk in? And even when I was home in my hometown where I've lived for almost my whole life, I found parks I never even knew about that were there. Um, so my, you know, family was, I was like, guys, I found this park you know and they're like how did you and I'm like it's just what happens when you can't walk your dog in the neighborhood you know you have to get creative so I think that's been a cool and I've been able to help kind of like other people like my friends who have dogs they're like what's that toy called that you have for Franklin where he tries to get the food out and so it's kind of fun to like <laughs> be able to give them some cool you know things they can do with their with their dogs but I think on the best days you know I'm like oh, this dog's making me a better person and I'd be you know I'm not 
believe me, I'm not saying that on all the days when we have, you know, five dogs in a row we see unexpectedly and whatever. But the other thing too, is I think it really forces you to learn in a really concrete way, this lesson of like, just focus on what you can control. And then just, you know, you can design the perfect outing for your reactive dog. You're like, I'm pretty sure we're going to see zero dogs and people. And then, you know, all of a sudden you have an off-leash dog come or something, you know, and then it's just like this very in your face, um, reminder of like you can prepare the best you can but at the end of the day you know it just is what it is so I think you know if we step back and think about what it's like to have a reactive dog it's so so challenging but I think there are a lot of kind of downstream sort of like benefits almost of of having one yeah right and like I think it's you know owning a dog who can behave reactively and like, you know, that's obviously a giant term, but I know all of you listening know (laughs) how that applies to your own dog. I think, you know, it's, it's, it literally just opens up these possibilities of like thought process and like thinking outside of like the, the traditional box of a quote unquote good dog and like celebrating who our dog is as an individual and, you know, doing things to promote well-being for them, whether that's like major life changes or small changes. And I think that that once you can do that for the dog, then you start to realize other aspects of your life as an individual, right? Mm -hmm. Like, wait a Mm -hmm. minute, how can I apply some of these concepts and give some of this grace to myself, right? Oh, it's so true, yeah. It's such such a unique experience, right? And to your point, right? Like an easy dog wouldn't have taught you that. (laughs) Right, right. And we love easy dogs. We, I mean, we, sometimes we wish we had them, you know, (laughs) like sometimes we say, maybe we wish you could just walk by this dog, but you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Like every, you know, every day there's like, I, I try really hard to think about it. Like, you know, like I do in my work where it's like, let's see if this experiment works. And if it didn't, then why didn't it work? And what's all the information, you know, that mindset sort of helps me let's gather as much information as possible. And even if, you know, we have a react, like I'm trying really hard, you know, these days to like, if we have a reaction. I'm like, what information did this give us? You know, like, okay, great. Well, this distance is still too close, obviously. And, you know, like, <laughs> you know, we still really don't like huskies or, you know, whatever the thing is, it's like, great. We now have confirmation that this thing that we thought is still true. Or, you know, today, for example, we had an experience where there was a big dog I saw and I was like, "Uh oh, we got to go the other way. And then we went the other way, a little dog came out, you know, across the street. And I was like, "Uh oh, and then I found that this new technique we've been working on, which we sort of have found through the class or like troubleshooted shot, like the, the process of like, a look at that almost like in motion with a little tossing to get the energy, the you know, pit bull energy to like <laughs> move in a different direction. And it worked like a charm and he didn't have a reaction. So it's like, you know, all these things are just good information to keep in the, the toolkit. And, um, you know, it, I'm excited. I think I'm excited to, I'm pretty sure I'll probably stay in touch with, you know, some of the people from the program who have similar dogs. And I think that's so exciting to think about like, you know, if I talk to so-and-so from the class in five years, they'll be like, remember when we used to not be able to walk, you know, (laughs) dogs and wasn't that so funny or, you know, hopefully that's what we're saying. And hopefully we're not like, you know, now I'm getting older and I can't get pulled down anymore. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, and like, I love that you took your skill set, right. And like what you do in like your life and your career of research and like Mm -hmm. really applying those same principles. Right. And like, it's not always easy. Right. And there's, God, there's such a huge like hang up of like our ego and our emotions and, and all of that being contingent in our dog's behavior. Like it's not yeah. an easy thing, right? But right. I think when we can literally just look at it from the outside, like this is literally just data. <laughs> what data yeah, points? Exactly. How can I use them? I'm just going to leave everything else there. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, you know, being like, you just got, sometimes you're going to have someone be like, who's walking who? And you're going to have to be like, all right, well, you know, today maybe we had a, we had a bit of a challenge with, you know, this, someone but I think yeah being able to distance yourself a little bit from like they're not a reflection of you know you're doing the best you, everyone's just doing the best you can your dog's doing the best they can you're doing the best you can and you know even the people you're walking by that that have these friendly dogs that are coming up to you even they're doing the best they can they just want their dog to make a friend or something you know so I think it's you know I have a lot a lot of perspective now you know just from this whole I'm you know we're a year in so I, I can't even imagine you know several years down the line, kind of what, what else we'll learn from this. But, but yeah, I mean, I love them a lot. I think 
probably a lot of people, most people can relate to this fact of like, it's like unsettling how much you care about your dog. It's like, I love him so much. And it's like, I just want to do the things that I can to help him. And, you know, we're in this together, you know, it's like, it's, we're a team and, you know, I, I now also, my heart races when I see a Husky, right? Like I never knew that that would be something (laughs) that would uh, be a part of my life, but, um, and also like a part of this community of people who also have these dogs who are also amazing. I mean, the people are so great. They're such great people, you know, they care so much too. And, and, and then also, you know, I'm, I'm bonus. I have two communities now of like the pit bull community of these people who advocate for these really awesome dogs. And then the reactive, so the little overlap of, you know, if you're yeah. a reactive pit bull owner, you're not alone. <laughs> right. You just kind of get down. into the club. Right? <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Okay. So I want to just highlight, um, two things. So one, if you want to talk about something maybe in that you learned inside reactive redefine that maybe like you knew or didn't know, or were, were able to absorb in a different way. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit, but just like a few of the examples of like the measurable progress you're seeing mm-hmm. in his behavior. Yeah, sure. So I think, um, one of the things, well, so, so we struggle a lot with pulling on the leash. That's like a big, <laughs> big problem for us and for many people. Um, and so I think it's been really helpful to have in reactive redefine this, um, like, you know, you have these skills for when you're seeing another dog, but you also get these skills for just like when you're walking and all these sort of things add up to be helpful in managing your dog, like in all these environments. So if you, if you learn to have them walk at your side, just in a low distraction environment, then you can translate it to when you see a dog. And so that's been cool to have these kind of like foundational skills be a part of it. I think I've learned a lot about um, counterintuitively, like for him to be pulling on the leash. I know one thing we just recently have talked about is like giving him more leash actually makes him pull less, which has been, that's a huge thing that we've learned. And I've put it into practice a lot where it's like very counterintuitive to um, like the last thing you want to do when your dog's pulling as hard as mine can pull is to be like, <laughs> you want more leash? Sure. <laughs> pull me from a, from, you know, further away, I guess. But, but that's been really, um, really helpful for us to work on that kind of behavior. I think I also spoke a little bit earlier just about this like really dynamic and individualized adjustment of different things of like, I'm trying this specific thing and it's not working. And you'll say like, okay, for Franklin in this situation, I think it's helpful if you let him watch a little bit and then move or something like that. You know, that's been so valuable um, for us. I think the progress, yeah, touched on a little bit before, but, but certainly he's like shaking, you know, doing a whole body like shake off a lot more. I've noticed that a lot more um, like pretty quickly after he will have a reaction if he does. And those certainly are getting less frequent. That's a partially a function of I'm not walking him on the busy trail anymore, which is good for everybody. Um, but at the park or something, if we see, you know, a dog, um, if he does have a reaction, it's usually shorter, it's usually less intense. And he usually is able to recover a little quicker. He's, he's getting better in general at like putting his attention on me. Whereas before, and like, I think he loves me. Like we're, you know, we're best friends. Right. But I think when we're walking, sometimes he just doesn't pay attention to me. And that's, I don't take that personally, but I think what he's getting better at now is being like, Oh, Hey, like you're still here. And then, you know, sometimes you give me food if I look at you. So I think that's been, that's been something I've noticed is like, he is offering me his attention without me calling his name or anything on the walks. He's just kind of more aware of the fact that like, if he doesn't pull like a freight train, sometimes he gets some, some good stuff. So hopefully eventually when he sees the triggers, we'll get to the point, you know, I know a lot, I've heard a lot of people say now when they see a dog, they look right at me and we are not there yet. That is, you know, to be completely transparent, we're not there yet, but I hope that we will soon be there um, because of the work we've been sort of putting in. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that Franklin's one of those dogs too, right? That like, you know, in the beginning of the course for everyone listening, I have everyone do exactly what Madison was talking about, write down, what are they reactive to? What is the specific thing, the situation, the dog, the person, whatever. And it's been, it's been really cool to see him kind of flourish in the fact that like, maybe he isn't so afraid anymore. Maybe right, now he's yeah. a little bit more excited slash frustrated. And like, I think to the average person that sounds confusing, like why are we excited <laughs> the dog is frustrated now instead of fearful? But right. like, that is, that is progress because we've helped him feel more comfortable. So now he can just be genuinely excited to see dogs. Not like, wait, totally. a dog. I don't it's, know. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, right. It's huge. Him to, to realize like, okay, 
dogs are okay. Maybe dogs are too cool. That's okay. We can work <laughs> on that, right? But you know, and I think the average person would look at a dog like Franklin and be like, okay, I don't know about him and dogs mm-hmm. and sociability, but like that's, you know, in the beginning in our one-on-one call, I was like, how's he with dogs? You're like, great with dogs off leash, right? Mm-hmm. So we were able to take that information and what we knew about him as an individual and use that a little bit, right? And like, you have the luxury of you have friends with dogs and you've been that's able right. to do some setups. But, you know, I think that a lot of people are surprised when they join the course and I'm like, okay, I want you to do more on-leash greetings. And people are like, excuse me. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> on leash greetings are like a huge no, no. And it, it just depends on the dog, but for him, he does genuinely like dogs. Right. So like exactly made it easy to kind of pivot and be like, okay, so maybe we can do a setup with Franklin's buddy and they can do some on leashes and we can do some other stuff. Right. So exactly. I think just for everyone listening, just know that it's not a one size fits all. And we never treat you like that. We treat you and your dog, like the individual that you are. And we understand, right? Like you're in <clears throat> an apartment setting, Mm -hmm. Uh, with busy trails, right? Like we customize it to wherever you are, whether you live in a city, in an apartment, or you live in the burbs and you never see anybody, like we (laughs) have to, right? We can customize it specifically for you. Exactly. And I will say just quickly to like speak on that point as well. That's where it's really helpful to have an expert because again, a lot of the signals that are like excitement versus nerves versus like, I, I sometimes can't tell the difference. It's happened so quickly. I'm holding the leash. I'm trying to make sure that, you know, coupled with the fact that like, because he looks the way he does, it's tricky. I don't want him to accidentally lunge at another dog. And then we, you know, the person freaks out or whatever. And so there was like one video in particular I uploaded of him greeting my friend's dog. And I was like, I really don't know if this is aggression. Like he's, there's a lot of vocalization. He's jumping a lot. And I was really afraid for like, however long, 24 hours or whatever, whenever I uploaded it, that you were going to be like, yeah, he's never allowed to see dogs again. I thought it was going to be like this really, but it was so helpful for you to be able to look at that video, back it up in the group call and be like, no, look, that's a little play bow. He's a little bouncy. Like he's not, and I was like, so relieved. And I think, yeah, you're right. This evolution is in the beginning. I I wish I had more videos of the beginning. I didn't video before I was in the class, but I wish I would have seen, because I do think it was a lot of fear in the beginning, fear of everything as he's new and he's, you know, from the shelter and who knows. And now as he's getting more confident and we're going on more adventures and this and that, like it is, I think, you know, sometimes fear, but sometimes like there's a dog over there. (laughs) We have to go see it. And then it's like, you know, it's, yeah. So it's, it's ever changing. And I think it's exciting to think that it maybe isn't always fear. So. (laughs) Right. Those small wins, those small wins. Okay. So um, are you feeling optimistic about taking all the skills you've learned in reactive redefined and like just repeating those day in and day out with him? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the biggest parts of the, the reason for that is I think this like ongoing component of like, we've, we have the, the Facebook group as well, you know, it's like even after that. So I, I love, I always look forward to the calls. I think they're awesome. It's a great way of like accountability and checking in and making sure you're, you know, doing, you know, we have like each week, you know, we'll do like focus on a certain thing. I think that's super helpful, but knowing that even after the class is over, like having access to these people is so nice and motivating. And it's a comfort because, you know, if we get rushed by an off-leash dog again and I have questions, you know, it's like this group of people where it's expertise of like you and Stephanie as like the actual official professional trainers, but also the people that are like been there, done that, had that, you know, like it's helpful There's to also so have people in that Facebook group. Like who you know, are it's a dream as a moderator because <laughs> I don't have to do anything because everyone like jumps in is like this, this. I'm like, y'all are freaking amazing. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And like, we don't, we don't, we don't just drop off. It's not like, okay, no, right. redefine is done. See ya. We're not going to support you anymore. Like <laughs> we're in it for the long pal. Right. And we want to, we want to hear from you. We want to know how you're doing and support you on your journey. And like, you know, reactive redefine is amazing, but it's like that jump start, right. Of like, okay, exactly. I've got all my bearings. I've got my skill set. I know what to do here. These yep. people know what I'm doing. I'm feeling empowered. And then, right. Just go out and keep doing it. Exactly. And in the course content, it's like knowing when to train through it and knowing when to just call it a day and go home. And it's like, that's a big skill too. Cause I think if you're too caught up in this, like I have to do all these exercises all the time with all these dogs. And it's like, you know, it gives you a little bit of grace for yourself of like, okay, if you're, if you're feeling a little tired, like maybe don't go stand behind the fence of a dog park and do, you know, (laughs) some like counter conditioning or whatever, like maybe just walk in a big soccer field or something for the day, right? Like you don't have to, 
And if you have a big reaction, you're only a couple, you know, half a mile away from home. You don't have to like push through it and be like, we got three more miles to be like, you can just turn around and be like, maybe we'll go another time today or something. Right. Like, right. Yeah, no. And that's, you know, we empower everybody to use the skills in the most meaningful way. Right. Like it's never a, like you must do X amount of training every day. Right. Like that's, that's, that doesn't fit anyone. And it may Um, be counterintuitive, but I think that motivates people to do it more. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You're getting the bang for your buck. You're not exhausting yourself doing something that isn't working. Exactly. And I think like being, feeling free to give yourself grace makes you want to train more than if I was like, oh my God, I have to do 30 minutes of whatever today. Like, I think that would be so much worse. I think, you know, it's like a little counterintuitive, but this like, almost like, you know, ability to just say like, we're going to just, we're going to go with at the pace of the dog. Like if he's feeling it today, we'll do it. If, you know, if he's not, we'll just do it another day. So Oh my God. But we're you super grateful. A delight to celebrate <laughs> Franklin. Y'all are an amazing team. Um, so you. any, any last advice for reactive dog owners that are listening that maybe haven't found the tools that they need and they're feeling a little overwhelmed? Oh, I mean, gosh, we're all right there with you. It's like so overwhelming. And I, I've been where you are. And like some days I still am, you know, like it's, it's, it's a real roller coaster. It's like some days you're like, I think we can do anything. And then some days you're like, it's really hard. (laughs) So I think like, you know, reach out, like I said, you know, like it's okay to give yourself grace and be like, I don't, I'm not a dog trainer. I say that a lot to myself of like, it's okay. I don't, I'm not a dog trainer. That's why, you know, tag in, get some help if you need it. Like there's so many, you know, resources. And I think if you're feeling like information overload, like I was where you're like, I can't read one more book or one more thing about train like these terms don't even what are what are they even saying I don't even understand you know the beginning I was like with the clicker stop like I just say yes I don't use a clicker but I'm like when are they clicking what is, this doesn't make any sense like what are they what are they doing so if you're feeling that way I think it's totally normal and I think you know if you can get connected with a community like this it's just it hits you from all sides of like you have peers you have a coach you have you know individualized feedback like I think uh the more connected you can get to know you're not alone that's a huge piece of the puzzle and don't beat yourself up you're doing you're doing the best you can and so is your dog so oh my god amen to that sister (laughs) amen to that okay well thank you for being an amazing human being and stepping up for franklin he is lucky to have you and i'm so excited to to continue to see your progress thank you so much Reactive Redefined reopens for enrollment on Thursday, April 1st. So if you have a reactive dog and you'd like to be a part of the program, head to our website, www.agoodfeelingdogtraining.com backslash Reactive Redefined to learn more. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.